you, Grace. We uh, are in the midst of the Christmas season. Historically in the church, uh, these days right after Christmas have been the great uh, celebration time uh, for us. We, uh, in recent generations, have uh, built up the weeks ahead of Christmas where we uh, sing Christmas carols, and that's all good and right, but we thought it would be great to have this Sunday and next to be able to continue to sing uh, the celebration of Christmas, um, and perhaps with some of the the lesser-known songs, um, or lesser or sung songs at least. Uh, Next Sunday we uh, will celebrate Epiphany Sunday, and that's not something uh, largely in uh, churches that many of us are uh, are familiar with has been emphasized a lot, but in the Western church uh, generally it's a focus on the coming of the wise men, and so we'll uh, be able to do that next Sunday as uh, uh, former Pastor Barry Stricker will be back, and he'll be offering a message in both services next Sunday, and so we will be back to our normal schedule next Sunday. December 29th, as we close out this past year, I want you to imagine with me a a scenario, if you would. Maybe you've experienced something like this. You have taken a new job. You've accepted it. It requires relocating to a new city, and off you go. Uh, You get a new home. You get new routines. You have new grocery stores. You have uh, new doctors, new pharmacies, new friends that are uh, to be made, and then your first child is born. Do you remember the adjustment? When your first child came, all that happened, I still remember and I still think it's the dumbest thing of all time because I love movies and I remember the hardest adjustment I had to make when uh, our first child was born was uh, not having the freedom uh, like I once did to go to the movie anytime I wanted. Uh, Isn't that dumb? (laughs) But the adjustments that are required of us, that's a small adjustment, I realize that, but imagine all of these new things and uh, after a while, once the dust settles uh, after all of these changes, you, you begin to look back and you take stock of all that's happened. And here's what's great after huge adjustments like that in your life is when there's a, an inner sense of peace that floods your soul, when there's a sense of rightness and you recognize that God has been in this transition and the development of these events in your life all along. This scenario is not unlike what happened with Mary and Joseph. It's been about nine months or so, I guess probably ten longer, since the angel had visited Joseph, since Mary had uh, had the miraculous conception in her womb. It's been now 40 days on on the calendar, the way that the Bible lays it out. It's been about 40 days since Jesus was born, since He was first born took his first nap in the manger. It's kind of like on today, December 29th, hearkening back in our mind all the way back to Tuesday, November 19th. That was 40 days ago. The Tuesday, the week before Thanksgiving. Today, we're going to be looking at a passage the Bible gives us in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open them there. Where we are given additional acknowledgement to who Jesus is and why he has come. Uh, We've been told over and over through the Christmas story there have been announcements and descriptions of Jesus before he has come. But now that he has come, there's additional acknowledgement about just who Jesus is. The dust is settled now. The birth has happened. The angels have gone back. 
And now there's additional acknowledgement, additional punctuation about Jesus being the Savior. I want you to say this phrase with me. Jesus is the Savior. Ready? Jesus is the Savior. If you're like me and you grew up in church, the word Savior is a pretty common and familiar word. And it's probably a word you don't think a whole lot about anymore. Uh, because it's just part of your, your language, uh, church language at least. And uh, we are going to be told again and punctuated again about Jesus being the Savior. Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 22. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, Jesus took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, What the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom And the grace of God was upon him. Lord Jesus, we pray this day that you would be evident out of the words of the scriptures. We focus again on your coming, on your life, not just your birth, but the reason for your coming. Deepen these understandings into our hearts and minds so that it affects our living. Challenge us with these words Guide us today. Holy Spirit, come and be our teacher, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The family 
Mary, Joseph, Jesus, they have gone to Jerusalem for common birth ceremonies of the day. These were common things that Jewish people would have done. They go to consecrate their firstborn. You can uh, look, if you're taking notes, you might jot down Exodus chapter 13. There's a description there of uh, the redemption of the firstborn child. And it's an opportunity every time a new child comes into a family that it's a, a time to reconnect that generation and and that family back to what God had done so powerfully in the Exodus event when He led them out of captivity uh, from the Egyptians and into freedom with Him. It's a, a reminder that children, that our children belong first to the Lord and how deeply He cares for them. How deeply you may love and care and are concerned for your children and how much more does God love them than even you might. They come to Jerusalem for the purification of Mary. This would have happened for, for her 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Uh, we read here that they uh, looks like they offered a couple of uh, birds that was part of uh, the offering. It is possibly pointing to the fact that they didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, this was uh, the sacrifice. Usually those who had more means would have also offered a lamb as well as the, the bird and sacrifice. And uh, it's very possible that we are to infer that uh, they had very little money. It also is possible that the wise men had not yet come to visit Jesus uh, because they likely were not in possession of, of the great gifts that they brought. Um, we know that the wise men, when the wise men did come, that they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus in a house, not in a stable. And so all of the, uh, the nativity scenes that we have, it's, it's trying in one picture to, to capture the whole Christmas story. I'm not bothered by it, but the wise men likely were not at the manger the night Jesus was born. And so here they come to Jerusalem. Um, and they are coming to fulfill some of this religious practice, this spiritual working. And while they are there, there's this interesting person named Simeon. Simeon, we're told, was a man who was righteous and devout. He was really in tune to what the Lord uh, had uh, was speaking and how the Lord was guiding him. He had actually been told that he would not close his eyes for a final time until he had seen God's Savior come in the flesh. Now, we usually assume that Simeon was old. We're really not told that he was old. We just know that after Simeon had laid eyes on and, and picked up Jesus, that he, he had done everything that he needed to do. He had experienced everything that he needed to experience. He had now seen and come and encountered the promise of God fulfilled in his very eyes and arms. And now he was ready to die. In fact, he says that the very uh, the, in the Greek it, it emphasizes that that he was now now he had seen now because he had laid eyes on his Savior, God's Savior, he could be dismissed into whatever the rest of his life uh, might bring. Simeon is an interesting guy. He's led by the Spirit to go into the outer courts of the temple where Mary and Joseph and and Jesus are. And uh, he, he holds Jesus, he looks at him, and the Spirit somehow prompts his heart to say, this is the one, Simeon, that I told you was coming. And when Simeon sees Jesus, there is no doubt in his mind about who Jesus is. Somehow God's Spirit had spoken to his heart and, and he praises God and he says, I have seen now your salvation. And 
The Hebrews had seen God's salvation back in in Egypt when the Red Sea had been parted and they had seen the, the powerful salvation of God out of the powerful grip to Pharaoh. But how had Simeon seen the salvation of God? It's because he had now seen the Savior. He describes the Savior as a light a light for the Gentiles. Those who are outside of the Jewish people, Jesus had come as, as a light to point them back to God and for the glory of Israel. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. Say it with me again. Jesus is Savior. You ready? Jesus is Savior. Say it again. Jesus is Savior. This is all over the Christmas story. And well beyond the Christmas story about Jesus being the Savior. The Savior for men and women who would put their faith and trust in Him. When at the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1, when God is describing who John the Baptist would be, He says that John the Baptist would be one who would make ready a people prepared for the Lord to marry The angel said that you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and His kingdom will never end. Do you remember what the angel said to the shepherds? They said, today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Jesus has come to establish peace between broken people and a wholesome God. To Joseph, the angel said, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Later on, after Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and after he's ascended back into heaven and people are sorting out what what did Jesus mean in in his resurrection, what does it mean? In Acts chapter 4, it says that salvation... Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So Simeon, he looks at Jesus, and God's Spirit in him prompts his heart and says, what I told you about Simeon is now in your eyes and in your hands. This is the Savior of God. He had been waiting, the Bible says, for the consolation of Israel, the one who would come and set things right again. And Simeon now laid eyes and held in his arms the Savior, the Savior who would grow up, the Savior who would become a man, the Savior who would go to die on a cross for your sin and for mine, because he is the Savior. He is the Savior. And then Simeon looks to Mary, and he says, this is one who will cause the rising and falling of many. I think this is a foreshadowing of what would happen in some homes. He, some homes would be divided when someone seriously took to following Jesus as their Savior and as their Messiah. It still happens today. There are homes divided around the world when people take seriously the trusting and following and putting their whole life and future into the hands of Jesus. It happens In Iran today, it happens in communist strongholds today, in many other places. When you take a serious step of faith for Jesus, it can cause the rising and falling of many. For those who do not put their faith and trust in Christ, there is sadness 
lostness to come and to live in. It is a grievous thing. Anna comes. Anna is another woman. She is described as one who is older. She comes also mysteriously, sort of out of the shadows. She had been hanging out at the temple for a long time. She had been a widow for a long time. And she comes and she recognizes Jesus too. And she begins to tell everybody about who this Jesus is to be. They're at the temple. They're at the temple in Jerusalem. The temple throughout the scripture has been the symbolic presence of God and people. The the symbolic juncture of where heaven and earth meet is the temple. You remember the old tabernacle in in the the Old Testament? The the Jewish people had been released out of captivity and into freedom. And they build this this portable sanctuary, this temple, this tabernacle. They they could set it up and it was distinguished by uh, the way it was appointed and the ordinate ornate, uh, ideas and decorations that it had. It could be set up, and the whole camp of Israel, as they were moving uh, through, they would camp around it. It was their center. Their whole life was built around the tabernacle because it wasn't just a building. It was a picture that God was with them. And, and as they would move, they would pack up that tabernacle, and they would take that tabernacle with them. And they came to a new place. They would set the tabernacle up, and they would set up camp all around the tabernacle because the tabernacle was the center of their life. God was the center of their life. The symbolic presence of where heaven and earth met was in the tabernacle. The the Shekinah glory would fall down in the tabernacle. It was an amazing thing to watch. And then Solomon comes along and he builds a permanent temple in Jerusalem. And it continues the idea of temple where heaven and earth meet, where God comes symbolically and he rests on the Ark of the Covenant as his footstool. And there is God coming uh, to be with the people. In Revelation, when uh, John the Revelator is getting this picture of what what the end will be like and the the final sense of renewal of the earth, and he describes this new temple or this new, new life with God, he says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. In John chapter 1, these familiar words of the Christmas story, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Literally, that Word made His dwelling is He came and He tabernacled Himself with us. John, the Gospel writer, is making a clear connection between Jesus and in the tabernacle of old, Jesus in the temple of that day, Jesus and and the ultimate new heaven and new earth that is coming, Jesus in his life, he would say, destroy this temple, pointing at himself, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. He was talking about Jesus himself being now the temple of God, Jesus himself now being where heaven and earth meet, Jesus himself being the one where God is encountering men and women. Jesus, there's no longer a need for a physical temple for the symbolic presence of God in the world. Jesus is the presence of God now in the world. God has come into the world. God in the flesh to make His dwelling among men. Simeon had been anticipating the arrival of Jesus the Savior, the consolation of Israel. 
And I wonder on this last Sunday of 2019, what it is that you are anticipating when you think about Jesus. What have you experienced Jesus? How have you experienced Him this past year? When you think about the year to come, what are you anticipating in your life with Jesus? Is Jesus truly your Savior today? Do you know Him as one who has taken your sin and removed the the wall that divides you from God and and He has now become the bridge, the God-man, the temple, bringing heaven to earth and bringing you to God? Do you think about 2020 as Simeon said that Jesus is a light for the Gentiles, those who are outside of the family of faith? And is that going to be part of your prayer for the year to come? That you would pray that God's Spirit would come upon Marin County residents and Bay Area residents, that people who today are far from God would come to know God deeply and personally. Will that be part of your prayer for 2020? What are you anticipating in 2020 because of the presence of Jesus in the world? That God would be in Jesus His presence among us, that He would be the fulfillment of all that He wants this church to become in health and wholeness and holiness. Would that be a part of your prayer for this coming year? That God would make us the great instrument, a great picture of His kingdom, that those who see what God is doing among us, that those who see how we love each other, that those who see the presence of God's Spirit among us, would they be drawn to this place? And more than just this place, would they be drawn to God Himself because He see they see Jesus in you? Would that be part of your prayer for the coming year about our church life together? That people are drawn to open their life to Jesus because they see Jesus actively at work among us. That those who today are far from Him would see the light that He is offering. That those today who do not walk personally with Him would experience the joy and the wonder of now being with Him as their son or daughter. Let us make that our prayer today for the coming year. May 2020 be the best year yet of how we have seen God at work in us and through us to touch this area for His kingdom. Lord, that is our prayer today. We thank You for the way that we have seen again ongoing acknowledgement of who Jesus is and why He has come Christmas is not just a cute, warm, cuddly story, but it's about the most significant event in preparing not just for His arrival in the flesh, but preparing His way so that He could come and die in our place to take our sin, to remove the very thing that that prevents us from knowing You and being with You. Jesus comes to take it away from us so that we can be with You. Nothing now stands between us and You because of Jesus that heaven has come to earth, that God has come to us, not in a building. We don't turn to a particular place on the planet to pray because we pray now directly to You because Jesus has come as Savior and as our High Priest. And we say thank You for that. We pray that this coming year, 2020, would be filled with great enthusiasm and hope for what You want to do around us in our county, in the Bay Area, across California, 
that those who today are far from You, that they would come to know You, that they would see You as the light of their life. So God, help us to live lives that point people to You. That is our desire and our hope. We need Your strength because we are far from perfect. We, we need You to make us whole and holy. We need You to help us love each other deeply and well. God, may we embody the reality of Jesus in us so that when people see our church at work, they would see You and be drawn to You, Jesus. May it be so. May it be so in 2020 like never before. Like never before. For Your glory, we pray it now. In Jesus' name, together. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our closing hymn together. Would you stand?